Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 2, Episode 227 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you for joining us uh, as my phone buzzes uh, and as we um, continue with our study of Alma 53 to 63, covered in August the 10th to August the 16th, preserved by his matchless power, marvellous power. Uh, and we are concluding our study today of the army of Helaman and their experiences in uh, Alma 56, 57, and a little bit in Alma 58. So uh, uh, in Alma 56, 30, we had just left them where the fathers had just given the provisions to the uh, the army of Helaman and the, uh, the armies of Antipas. And uh, in verse 30, we read about a plan or a strategy that they had um, devised because, and I love this, um, it was devised because of the uh, reaction that the Lamanites gave uh, or seemed to have when the provisions were brought to the city by the fathers of the army of Helaman. Um, so basically, uh, it says in Alma 57, uh, sorry, in Alma 56, um, that when the provisions came, uh, in verse 29, and the Lamanites, thus seeing our forces increase daily and provisions arrive for our support, they began to be fearful and began to sally forth if it were possible to put an end to our receiving provisions and strength. And basically, they used this knowledge and this fact to bring up, to make a plan and say, OK, let's use these 2000 young men to be carriers of provisions because, you know, they've not seen battle. They're, they're very young. We don't really want to send them into war if we can. So... And of course, you know, if it was like the picture that we have him come follow me and they were looking like that, I mean, you won't be too bothered about saying, sending them into battle. But, you know, if we understand that actually there were stripling young men, they were young, they were they would they had never seen battle before and were probably not physically prepared for such um, as much as as, a, as an army would. Um, you understand the reason that's reasoning behind, OK, well, let's send these 2000 young men off with some provisions seemingly to go to another city. The Lamanites will try and stop them, just like we've seen them trying to stop the provisions coming here. And then what we'll do is we'll follow them and take them and take them, you know, at the battle and catch up with them uh, and put them down out of their hiding place. Uh, and I think that uh, it's a great strategy. And it's also if you uh, look at a know why um, that's been done by Book of Mormon Central, it's also a very realistic um battle strategy in uh it's no why number 164 and i'll share it on the uh, facebook group but yeah apparently it's it's a lot of the the strategies and uh warfare that we see in this record is very similar and very characteristic of warfare uh, at this time in the ancient americas so you know again another uh, point toward the book of mormon being a true record uh, in verses 44 to 45 though we see that uh, the plan has gone wrong. Uh, it turns out the Lamanites re realized what was happening as they made their way and they turned and faced the armies of Antipas and kind of ambushed them. Uh, and so uh, Helaman and his 2,000 young men have a choice. And uh, Helaman says, Therefore, what say ye, my sons? Will ye go against them to battle? And in verse 45 it says, And now I say unto you, my beloved brother Moroni, that never had I seen so great courage, nay, not amongst all the Nephites. Um and we see there the great courage uh, from the sons of this. I keep saying sons of Helaman. I mean, they're the, they're the sons of their parents, uh, the armies of Helaman. Of course, he calls them their sons because he loves them so much. And he's, um, you know, he takes them into his care in this army. Uh, and in verse 47, 
It says, Now they had never fought, yea, that they did not fear death, and they did think more upon the liberty of their fathers than they did upon their lives. Yea, and they have been taught by their mothers that if they did not doubt, God would deliver them. Uh, and this is where we get the, the classic verses about the impact of the mothers on the, the army of Helaman, uh, these 2,000 stripling warriors. And oh, I'm going to share a couple of quotes about that. Uh, Elder Neil A. Maxwell said, quote, When a parent's teaching and helping job is done well, and when they, they, there are receptive children to receive the message, then we encounter those marvellous situations, such as the one involving young men in the Book of Mormon who had been taught so well by their mothers. These young men said, we do not doubt our mothers knew it. The reliance, of course, by these young men on their mothers is touching and profound. For the mothers first had to know it in such a way that the young men observing them closely and hearing them, as is always the case with children observing parents, did not doubt that their mothers knew that it was true. Close quote. And so that's an insight for parents there again. I think that obviously we, we understand the need to be able to teach our children well. But of course, we need to realise that teaching our children well requires that we are strong and, um, you know, there in our understanding and do not doubt. And so we, we need to work on ourselves as well as our children. Julie B. Beck also said, quote, the responsibility mothers have today is, ne is required more vigilant, has never required more vigilance. When mothers know who they are and who God is and have made covenants with him, they will have great power and influence for good on their children. Mothers who know are always teachers. Since they are not babysitters, they are never off duty. Think of the power of our future missionary force if mothers considered their homes as a pre-missionary training centre. Then the doctrines of the gospel taught in the MTC would be a review, not a revelation. That is influence. That is power. Close quote. I think that's some really insightful words there by Sister Julie B. Beck. That, you know, um, the MTC should just be a review of these, of these principles in a missionary application rather than a new thing. Um, and so that uh, is an important point. So then we move in. So obviously they, they win the battle. Uh, they capture many prisoners uh, and they don't lose any of these the um, 2000 stripling warriors. None of them perish. Um, so then the, the, um, the account continues uh, and there is further battles, um, disagreements between Amaron and Helaman. Uh, and a city, a city called Kumanai, um, and basically another battle ensues. Uh, and this time, um, they have an extra 60 of the 2,000 uh, young men. Don't, those 60 that joined them, uh, perhaps um, they weren't old enough yet, or you know, there, there may, may have been a number of reasons. Um, but these 2,060 were firm and undaunted. And again, it just really testifies to the the power and the um, obedience that these young men had. Um, and in verse twenty five, um, you know the the battle ends. The Lamanites flee, uh, and they check to see who had died amongst the um, amongst the army. To, uh, a thousand of people, a thousand people had been slain of the Nephites, but of the two thousand and sixty, none had died. In verse twenty eight, it says, and it came to pass that there were two hundred. Out of my 2,060 who had fainted because of the loss of blood, nevertheless, according to the goodness of God and to our great astonishment and also the joy of our whole army, there was not one soul of them who did perish. Yea, and neither was there one soul among them who had not received many wounds. Now, I think it's important here to point out and remember that just because we have this story of the 2,060 stripling warriors and that none of them died, that shouldn't suggest that when we are obedient and live our covenants and, you know, go with courage and faith in our saviour, 
it should not suggest to us that, you know, things will work out all perfectly. And in fact, you know, the fact that every single one of them had received many wounds uh, is is not great. You know, it's not a lovely situation to be in. John, by the way, uh, says this, quote, having a testimony and having great faith in Christ does not guarantee that we won't suffer. Abraham, Job, Abinadi, Nephi, Joseph Smith, and countless other righteous people all suffered. Jesus Christ suffered beyond them all, and he never did anything wrong. We're all going to go through some tough times. That's just the nature of life on earth. But our tough times cannot destroy our hope unless we let them. That is our option. We're all going to suffer. But we don't have to be miserable. Since all of the stripling warriors were wounded, we might expect that we'll also get some bumps and bruises as we go through life's battles. Close quote. So, you know, there will be hardships and trials and injuries along the way in our lives, despite even if we have this faith in, his, in the Lord's marvellous power. But um, we can have that hope and that assurance that all things will be made right, as these young men did. Um, and yeah, I just want to finish with this verse in verse 27 of 57. It says, now this was the faith of these whom I have spoken. They are younger, their minds are firm, and they do put their trust in God continually. Uh, hopefully these words could be said of us. Elder D. Todd Christopherson said, quote, Now this was the faith of these of whom I have spoken. Um, here we find a standard for what should happen in our homes and in the church. Our teaching should draw upon our own faith and focus first and foremost on, on instilling faith in God in the rising generation. We must declare the essential need to keep the commandments of God and to walk uprightly before him in soberness, or in other words, with reverence. Each must be persuaded that service and sacrifice for the well-being and happiness of others are far superior to making one's own comfort and possessions the highest priority. Close quote. I think that, you know, again, this is exemplified and personified uh, in the uh, struggling warriors. They didn't care for their own lives. They cared for the lives of their fathers and for the people whom they were protecting. And they're a great example. Um so hopefully uh, we've had a bit more insight into their uh, account. There's obviously a bit more in chapter 58, but we're not going to have time to go through that. But again, it's the similar story of they were faithful, non-perished, uh, and you know they, they stayed true to the, to the words they had spoken. Um, please share what you've been studying about the Stripling Warriors uh, on the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with, uh, with Come Follow Me, uh, or indeed anything else you've been studying would be great to hear about it. Um, also, you can email session at gmail.com. That's ldsstudysession at gmail.com. If you are interested in joining in a future podcast episode via Zoom, I'd love to have you on uh, and to get to hear some other individuals' thoughts on this podcast. Thank you for listening. And until we meet again. <laughs>